Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. This is D, and welcome to episode 66 of the Benzo Free Podcast. It's good to be back on the podcast again today, talking to you. I'm back in my basement, um, where it's kind of isolated and cool, even though it's 85 degrees outside. It's nice down here. <laughs> it's funny how I wear jeans to work each day in a sweatshirt, because I'm always going down into the basement, even though outside, when I go walk bare, my dog... I have to put switch into shorts and a t-shirt, so that's kind of how, how things work for me, but that's just how the basements, you know, basements are, are usually colder, and that's how mine is. I hope this um, is finding you in good spirits today, and if um, if not, I hope it provides you some comfort and, and companionship, and maybe even a bit um, of info that maybe will help you with your struggles today, and whether they be of withdrawal or anxiety or anything that you're struggling with in your life today. I did want to let you know a quick update on the easing anxiety side of things, and that is we have a new Facebook page. Some of you may have heard of this. If you don't watch those videos, I'm sure that this is new to you. But if you're interested in the content of that channel, please check out our new Facebook page and let me know you stopped by. I, it can be found at facebook.com slash easinganxiety. And I left a link to it in our show notes. Now, for those of you who have been with me for a long while on the podcast, you you know, you may remember back to the day when we had a Facebook page for Benzo Free. Anyone? <laughs> Anyone out there remember that? <laughs> Maybe a few of you. I think it's been about nine months or so since we had that. Well, our page was doing pretty well, uh, really well, or so I thought, <laughs> and then we seemed to hit an iceberg with that one at Benzo Free, and I got in trouble with a few people in the Benzo community for something I didn't do, but I still had to prove my innocence, which I did. But in the end, it, it left a very bad taste in my mouth and hurt my reputation in the community, I think. So, so when all the dust had settled, I decided it was the best course of action at this time to take Benzo Free off of Facebook and go without for a while. And it was the right decision at that time. Will I ever um, have a Facebook page again for Benzo Free or other social media presence like that? Maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about it right now, but maybe we'll go back on there. We'll see how this one goes. When Easing Anxiety came along and I launched the YouTube channel and started doing videos, I, I think I felt like I had a clean slate. I started the channel out without any social media presence, which is the way I prefer it, actually. <laughs> but the truth is, social media is somewhat necessary in today's online environment, and it does create a, 
a positive opportunity for connection, for us to connect. And something that email is a little slower at and may not provide quite as well, but I don't know. I've kind of liked the email um, path. Either way, to grow our channel and to get more people to come watch our YouTube channel to help make it viable, um, I have to let people know it exists. So that's kind of why I'm doing it. Long, long story short, I decided to test the waters with easing anxiety for a while and see how it plays out. Now, lately I've been going through a bit of a wave with my symptoms. Um, kind of a surprise one. I guess it shouldn't have been a surprise. I hadn't had these types of symptoms in a long time. One of my precursors, kind of my bellwether for symptoms coming on is my eye twitching sometimes. My, It's funny because this is one of those symptoms that wasn't as prevalent during my taper or acute withdrawal, but only came on in the last year or so. It's not significant. It's just there. But when I get worked up, get anxious, or start to get into a wave, my right eyelid seems to twitch a little more often. And it reminds me of what's going on. And then, you know, it's, it's funny. It always takes me a little while to realize I'm in a wave. <laughs> I don't know if you have the same problem or not. But... It takes me a, a little bit of time to kind of put all the pieces together to finally realize I'm really in a wave that, oh, I'm not sleeping quite as well. I'm more irritable. Yeah, I have some jitteriness at night. The other night I ate a little sugar and I couldn't sit still. Okay, that's that. Um, my tinnitus has come back some. I get a little more paresthesia on my face. You know, my greatest hits, what I call them, of my symptomology. I'm not thinking straight. I'm forgetting more things. Um, that kind of stuff. In fact, right now, as I'm talking to you, my right eye is twitching. <laughs> so, and there it goes again. It's just there. It's one of those symptoms and it comes and goes and I try not to worry too much about it. But, but I've been in a wave and it's, it makes sense. We're all under a lot of stress lately. Um, whether it's the virus, whether it's the racial strife like we're having in the U.S., whether it's um, just a whole life change from what's been going on and and all the events happening and, and just people seeming to get angry and angrier and, and more irritated. And I think that's causing stress in all of us. And that's what's causing the anger too. But I'm feeling it. I think all of us are feeling it. And it builds. We've talked about that several times on the podcast. You know, it's, it's actually a good topic to talk about a bit. That is, these are very stressful times. And it's so easy for us to, to react to things going on within our family, within our community, within the world in negative ways. For me, that anger was not productive during Ben's withdrawal. And I felt it. I felt it in many ways. And I got trapped in it. And I got trapped in the cycle of blame and judgment and all this negativity that builds in our heads. And it wasn't working for me. And, you know, you identify people as being your enemy. Well, once you do that, now you've placed that in, in this box. And it makes it okay for any kind of reaction or any kind of retribution or whatever, because it almost dehumanizes. And we all do that. Every one of us does that. We, we have this tendency to 
to dehumanize others when we don't like what they do, when we don't like what they say, when we don't like what they think or what we think they think. We all do it. Like I said, I do it probably as much if not more than many people. One of the things I always admired about Martin Luther King Jr. here in the U.S. is that one of his principles was to first love your enemy. In our community, we have a little fitness center and and there's a pool there for the for the kids and for people and stuff, and it's been closed because of the virus. And we have one of those online groups, I think it's a next door group or whatever, where, you know, a lot of people in our community, you know, chat and stuff about different things going on. Well, our, our pool and our fitness center isn't open yet, and it's taking a little longer to reopen. They're trying to be more careful about exposure and trying to do the right thing, and they're not open yet. But some people have started piping in on this next door site and some of their responses are extreme and are really hard to read and hard to hear. And some people pipe in and say, Hey, let's, let's take this all into account. I mean, you know, we have a hundred thousand plus deaths just in the U S alone from this virus. Let's try to put things in perspective. It's just a fitness center. And she replied back and said, well, the fitness center is life or death for her. (laughs) And God, I really don't want to belittle what she said, but I feel like we really have to step back a little bit and get some perspective. Having a fitness center isn't life or death. I'm sorry for anybody. I mean, we live in Colorado and we've had 80 degree days for the last week and You can go, we got trails, you can go run in our neighborhood, you can go walk, you can ride your bike, you can go to the, I mean, there's a lot of ways to get exercise. But we've gotten to this level of frustration and anxiety, and it feels like we're starting to bubble over. And I just want to try to encourage people to take a step back. Um, especially in your local communities and say, hey, look, let's be careful about um, how we're communicating, how we're reacting to others. Anyway, that was not written. Um, I just rambled on about that. I hope I didn't go too far overboard. That's me. I'm learning to be a little more uh, raw and improv, both on the easing anxiety videos and on the podcast. And I don't know. I'm kind of liking it sometimes, but I also want to make sure I don't get carried away because the last thing I want to do is to get into politics. And trust me, I am not trying to get into politics at all. But I do know with benzo withdrawal, it is so easy for us to get irritated. It is so easy for us to get angry. It is so easy for us to see simple irritations like from your spouse or from the kids or from your neighborhood, you know, HOA or something, and turn that into a huge problem in your mind. My God, I did this nonstop (laughs) during my withdrawal, and I still do somewhat. I am more guilty of this than anyone, and that's why I'm talking about it, because this is a problem I see in myself today. But I think it's just a good reminder for us to take a step back and say, okay, What's the best thing for everyone 
going forward? What's the best thing for this virus? Is it smart for us to wear our masks a little bit longer, keep some distance and and ease into this thing so we don't have a second wave? I don't know, maybe so. You know, and I'm sure some of you out there are thinking, hey, this is all a this is all hype, this was all fake. And and again, you know, maybe you're right. I I'm I'm not taking sides here. But it seems like we've gotten so divisive and so far away in this world from compromise, from communication, from working together. And I just think it'd be kind of cool if we spent a little more time building the middle ground. You know, that's me. <laughs> I got my hand in the air. Hey, I'm the moderate. <laughs> I'm that guy in the middle. I never chose a political party in my life. I vote, but I just kind of keep this middle ground going because I usually see the this side and I usually see that side. But it's who I am, and I guess that's what I'm doing here now too. So, so when I got so irritated during withdrawal and got so mad and got so carried away, it was scary. It wasn't typical D. It wasn't me. It wasn't who I had been. Wow. Okay. This is a long intro. <laughs> I'm sorry. God. Oh, this is when I just go off on a cuff. I hope this works. I hope this is something you guys enjoy um, that I do now and then. I'm sure if it isn't, you will let me know. But um, I just rambled for a while. So anyway, that was not scripted. That wasn't, um, that was all pretty much me just kind of talking. So I hope it's, I hope it's all okay. Today, our format will include our introduction, which you just heard, our Benzo story, our feature, and our moment of peace. There's no mailbag today because our mailbag is our feature. Our feature is entirely driven by your comments and questions. I love these. We've done a few episodes in the past dedicated to your feedback, including one based on the mailbag entirely by the same name, questions, comments, and a few answers about Benzo dependence and withdrawal. And this is take two of that same one. Unlike the rapid-fire ones we've done in the past, this isn't about getting as many questions in as possible. This time we're not in a hurry. These emails are a bit longer, my responses might be a bit longer, but mostly we hear more from you um, than from me, and, and I love that, that concept. This is one of my favorite topics, as you can tell, so I hope you like it. And before we move on, don't forget we need your help. We need feedback of any kind. We truly want to hear from you. You can provide feedback in one of four ways. Comment directly on one of our podcasts so others can see. Fill out our feedback form at benzofree.org slash feedback. Email us at podcast at benzofree.org. Or leave feedback on one of our podcast carriers so others can find us. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our mailing list at benzofree.org slash subscribe. And if you wish to help support what we do here, you can visit our donations page at benzofree.org slash donate. Trust me, every little bit helps. And don't forget, the Benzo Free podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. Now, let's move on to our Benzo stories. Today we have two short Benzo stories to share. Both of these are are difficult to hear, and thus I do need to put a trigger warning here at the beginning. If hearing stories of withdrawal is a trigger for you, please skip this section and drop on down to our feature. You can, you can find a time index in our show notes. Now, 
on to our stories. Our first one is from Angie in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Angie shared her story publicly in the comments of one of our previous episodes, and I wanted to share it here also. Angie writes, It's been three weeks since I took my very last quarter milligram of clonopin. I live in Tulsa and came from a large city and went to the doctor in Tulsa and was told he would refill it only once. I felt like I was screwed not refill my clonopin prescription? I went on YouTube and researched how to do it. I was on 3 milligrams clonopin for 30 years. I started withdrawing January 2020. I decided I was ready, and it became my New Year's resolution. I had quit smoking 30 years ago and was prescribed clonopin to stop smoking, and it worked. It's been three weeks to the day since I had my last quarter milligram. My brain feels like I am disconnected. I listened to your podcast. It, it helped me to know someone else has had the same thing that I do. I am retired, and believe me, I am hurting. I have depersonalization extremely bad. My brain feels like it is in a box. So your podcast was a great analogy. My tightness in my muscles has created muscle knots that are deep inside and an itch inside. This has crippled me. I have not been able to work, not driving, irregular heartbeat, loss of weight, almost bedridden. I, I can read, but I feel better listening to your great podcasts. It's like I am fighting to get to the next day. Right now, I have good days and bad days. The, the symptoms are surreal. I, I also have sound sensitivity and eye problems. Thank you for your podcasts. Thank you, Angie. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Every time I hear a story like this, I remember my toughest days. And the emotions almost overwhelm me. I'm five and a half years out, and I still get choked up thinking about my experience. And even more so, those of you who are currently in that most difficult of psychological and physical states. It doesn't get any easier to hear with time. And in some ways, I kind of hope it never does. I, I hope I never become jaded. So that stories like Angie's are routine. Because they are anything but that. Angie is just one of so many people who, whose lives have been completely derailed. Who are struggling to find any hope for the future. And, and want so desperately to find answers. And, and to make it all go away. But... You know, enough of the depression and hopelessness. There, there is an upside here. I know people who have been on benzos for as long as you have, Angie. Even some who cold turkeyed and healed. For some, the hardest time is during taper. For others, like myself, it's acute withdrawal after your last dose. Those first several months benzo-free can be very hard for some people, depending on the medication you were on and how your taper went. 
We are so often reminded by the immortal words of our Benzo community mantra, which is, everyone is different. <laughs> Few things hold so true during withdrawal. I, I wish you well, and I know you are doing great. This is the hard part, but believe me, it does get better. Thanks, Angie. Our second story is from Carrie in San Francisco, California. Carrie shared her story in April via our feedback form, and I, I wanted to share it with you today. Carrie writes, I am new to your podcast, but not new to withdrawing from Ativan. My withdrawal is on hold due to the pandemic. When I started several months ago, I did with the help of a psychiatrist, but didn't have a therapist or primary doctor. My main symptoms are severe heart palpitations and shortness of breath, so I do need access to medical support should I need it. I am down to one and a quarter milligrams of Ativan. I took the drug for two decades, originally for sleep issues associated with postpartum depression. I have been wanting off for many years, but no doctor would listen or pay attention to the Ashton Manual. The opinions I have received over the years from the medical community have ranged from you're an addict and seek a 30-day program to it's no big deal to take them. Luckily, I didn't believe either opinion. One and a quarter milligrams of Ativan seems to be the critical dose for me. But I, I can't go under without bad withdrawal symptoms. If I spend a week taking one milligram, the, the shortness of breath and palpitations come back on cue. It's so very frustrating. So I wanted to write you and say hi, and that I will be catching up on the blogs and podcasts. My, my wish is to find an in-person support group close to me so I don't feel so alone in the process. Thank you, and stay safe and healthy. Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. It's you know, the great thing about a slow taper plan is its flexibility. If you need to stop for a dose at a time, that's fine. As Ashton stated in her 2011 supplement to her manual, quote, the rate of tapering should never be rigid, but should be flexible and controlled by the patient, not the doctor, according to the patient's individual needs, which are different in every case. You know, because some, sometimes we need to go slower and sometimes we need to go faster. It depends on the person. And sometimes we need to stop and pause for a time. As I mentioned in the intro, these are stressful times for so many. And I'm glad you have taken the time to pause during this virus and, and find some sense of stability. One of the hardest things to stay steadfast against during our withdrawal is that pressure to go faster. While that may work for some people, for others, it makes their symptoms unbearable, complicating their entire recovery. Almost everyone who finds themselves dependent on these drugs and who is facing a possibly lengthy and difficult withdrawal wants the drugs out of our systems as fast as possible. But for most of us, that is probably not the wisest course of action. Now, do some withdraw quickly and with success? Yes, they do. 
And we're going to discuss this more in depth in an upcoming episode. But the problem is, we don't really know who that will be. Some may taper rapidly with little or no problems after their last dose. Some may be the complete opposite and have to reinstate or even need advanced medical care for their condition. Thus, in my opinion, tapering under doctor supervision while allowing each patient to adjust his or her speed according to the symptoms allows for the adjustments as needed and is the best course for success. It, it sounds like you are making wise choices in your taper, and I'm sure you will be fine. Yes, there are hurdles along the way, but don't be pressured. Take the time you need to become benzo-free. Work at the pace that is best for you. If it's faster, great. If it's slower, great. But find a pace you are comfortable with. Thanks for sharing your story, Carrie. Please keep us informed on your progress. And that ends our benzo stories. Now, on to our feature. Our feature today is actually our mailbag. <laughs> I, I, I love it when we use your comments and questions as our feature. I, I think it's one of my favorites because it's driven by you. Your feedback decides what we talk about, what we answer, what we share, what we think about, what we discuss. Without your input, without your realizations and wisdom and corrections and clarifications and musings and ideas and revelations, <laughs> we wouldn't have this podcast. You know, and, and another reason that I like doing this for a feature is that it feels more like a conversation, a give and take. And that's because it, it is. <laughs> These questions and comments come right from our email conversations that we've been having. And today we get to hear more from you than from me. Kind of a nice change, I think. Today we're only going to hear from a small group of you. Listen to a question or two and discuss the topic so we understand it better. We're going to take our time. So thank you to all those who write in sincerely. This is what makes this podcast work. Let's dive right in. This one is from Dawn. Dawn first reached out by commenting on our Easing Anxiety YouTube channel and followed that up with a few emails with me. She quit Temezapam cold turkey and is now currently tapering off Xanax. Dawn writes, I don't know if you can comment on this or not, but I was wondering if you or any of your listeners take chamomile supplements during the withdrawal process. I am using them, but not sure if this is a good idea. Well, thank you, Dawn. Thanks. That's a great question. Um, you're right. I don't usually comment on supplements, herbs, vitamins, or, or stuff like that. Uh, two reasons here. Um, one, I'm not a medical professional, and I can't really give advice in that arena. I know I say that all the time. Sorry about that. But, And two, and I know I sound like a broken record on this one especially, but everyone is different. Really different, especially when it comes to supplemental medications or herbs or whatever during withdrawal. Chamomile supplements are often taken as an alternative medicine for a variety of conditions, including intestinal issues, colic, diarrhea, gum disease, even anxiety, and others. 
When taken as a flavoring or in food, there are little known side effects. But then again, there are also little known benefits um, which have been studied when taken in that way. When taken as supplements in concentrated amounts, some do claim benefits. But there are also possible complications. Now, most doctors do recommend it's best to avoid chamomile if you have any of the following conditions. Have past or present cancer of the breast, ovary, or uterus. Have a history of endometriosis or are pregnant. There are also some complications with people who have pollen allergies. Chamomile supplements can also make birth control pills less effective. And it is not known if chamomile passes into breast milk, possibly harming a nursing baby. Also, if you need surgery, it is advised to stop taking chamomile at least two weeks prior. There's a list of drugs that may cause interactions, and you should review those before you take chamomile supplements. But, but I think all this bubbles down to the general topic, and that is, I, I am often asked about supplements, herbs, vitamins, all sorts of natural or alternative medicines. And, like I say, I'm not a doctor and I don't really know. But when I don't know, I do look it up and I try to provide information, well-researched information, when I can. The thing with most of these substances is they are rarely approved by the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. Now, some of you may think that is a benefit. Others of you may think it's not. I I'm not going to get into that political debate here at all. But... The fact is the natural food and supplement industry is relatively unregulated, and thus they can pretty much make any claims they want to without any scientific evidence proving it. How is that different than the pharmaceutical industry? Well, you got me on that one. <laughs> As most of us well know, they aren't very well regulated either, <laughs> and we unfortunately have paid the price for that. I'm not for nor against the use of supplements during withdrawal. I'm really not. For me, I chose to withdraw with as little extra support, medicinally or via natural supplements as possible. I, I guess I figured if medicines, whether natural or not, messed me up in the first place, perhaps I should let my body heal with as little external influence as possible. You know allow the ship to right itself naturally. But that being said, I do think some supplements may help some people. Just know what you are taking. Do the research from reputable sites and read up on possible side effects, interactions with other meds, foods, etc., and, and decide what is right for you. Just know that very few medicines or supplements we can take come without possible side effects or complications. Know what you are taking, and if you are concerned, work with your doctor or naturopath and get the answers you want. There. I think that sums it up. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Don, And great to hear from you, as always. Our next one is from John in Scotland. John first reached out to me in early May and had some questions and suggestions about digestive issues. John writes, I want to express my gratitude for such a wonderful podcast, which I've only recently discovered. I am currently taking Tamazepam for help with insomnia, 10 milligram dosage. 
It seems to help, but I am wary of it becoming a drug of abuse. Your podcast provides much food for thought as I begin this journey with these powerful drugs. I will continue to listen and recommend your work to friends and family who may be going through difficult times. Regarding a recent episode about your struggles with abdominal discomfort and gut health, have you tried probiotics? A good quality multi-strain probiotic with bifidobacterium has helped wonders whenever I've had a crappy diet or feel bloated and sluggish. They say your gut is like a garden, and the more strains and diversity of probiotic cultures, the better your health will be. You're looking for at least 10 billion strains, if possible. Probiotics are certainly not a panacea, but they are, in my opinion, extremely beneficial when combined with a healthy diet, good sleep, and exercise. Best wishes, John. Thank you, John. Great information. John wrote back again later with even more info on probiotics for me. This is a topic so many of us have investigated during our withdrawal and struggles with benzo belly and all that entails, myself included. I struggled with stomach difficulties my whole life, and things only got worse, a lot worse, during my withdrawal. For, for a while, I only ate chicken and white rice. That's all I could digest. Eventually, I did find something that helped me. It was a probiotic milk called kefir or kefir or kefir, depending on who you ask. And it settled my stomach down enough to help me get through. It's, it's a fermented milk and it provides probiotics. After my withdrawal improved, I kept drinking it for a while, but I finally stopped. I think it stopped being beneficial and might even have started to cause a few problems. So I stopped drinking it. But here's the thing, and this takes me back to Don's question before John's. I do know some people who said they tried kefir milk during withdrawal, and it made them worse. Again, and everybody together now, everyone is different. <laughs> we should set that to music or something and make it our official jingle. There is a lot of information out there about probiotics, and much of it is positive. John went on to talk about different strains and concentrations, all good information. Probiotics have live bacteria and yeast, which can be good for you, and especially good for your digestive system. It's the quote-unquote good bacteria that helps us. And these bacteria can be found in many foods like yogurt and other fermented foods and in supplements. There are two primary types of probiotics. Lactobacillus, the most common type, which is found in yogurt and fermented foods. In fact, kefir milk includes its own unique probiotic strain of this. Lactobacillus kefiri, which appears to help inhibit the growth of some forms of harmful bacteria like Salmonella, H. pylori, and E. coli. The other type is Bifidobacterium, which can also be found in some dairy products and has been found to ease stomach distress, especially IBS and similar conditions. Now, while we know that these bacteria are helpful to us, we still have so much to learn and probably have more questions than answers at this point. We have to find what works for us, the good old trial and error. It sucks, and it takes time. 
but it's the only true way to find what works for you, for your system, your body, and your health. Anyway, if you're struggling with digestive problems during your withdrawal, perhaps a probiotic might help. And it might not. <laughs> that is not advice. I'm just passing on information. Thanks, John. Our next one is from Sandy in Lawton, Oklahoma. Actually, it's a question followed by a couple of uplifting comments from a few different emails. First, her question. Sandy writes, Hi, Dee. I listened to episode 62 today and it was very helpful. You, you mentioned having tight chest muscles and acid reflux. Would you be able to share with me what symptoms you had and how you coped? I'm suffering terribly with both. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thanks, Sandy. Yeah, I did have the tight chest muscles and acid reflux, and I think my key problem here was it was so hard for me to know what was causing the chest pain I was having. Um, I, I went to the ER a couple times <laughs> um, and had several EKGs, about five or six of them, I think, over a year or two-year period. Always checking my heart just because that's where you, you jump to. That's what you think is causing the problem. And But when you combine different symptoms and when you start to understand what withdrawal has done to your nervous system, it starts to make more sense. For me, I identified mine as a combination of very tight chest muscles and muscle pain, combined with acid reflux tied with my benzo belly and digestive issues, and a few other things going on, including some um, twitching and numbness in my arm, which was also tied in. So all those things together make you feel like you're having a heart attack, but often that's not the case. Again, as with everything, get this checked out, especially when you think it might be a heart issue get it checked out. Take an EKG, a stress test, whatever it takes, go to your doctor and make sure it's not something more serious. Most of the time it's not. And once you do that, now you can ease the stress back a little bit from worrying about what these symptoms are and realize they're just part of benzo withdrawal. Of course, that is until you have that fear again and go back and have another EKG, which is exactly what I did more than once, more than twice, and a few more times. <laughs> anyway, Sandy followed up with a couple more emails I wanted to share with you. In the first one, she wrote, I so enjoyed episode 65 today. I really needed to be reminded of the basics. It's so easy to forget the psychological impact when your physical body is causing you so much distress, which triggers fear and increases my anxiety. I had an aha moment while listening to the podcast. I realized that I had moderate health anxiety before I ever took a benzo. I needed that realization to heal and grow physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I am so grateful for your support and encouragement. Blessings and thanks, Sandy. In this one, Sandy is referring to our most recent episode titled Benzos 101, A Return to the Basics of Withdrawal. And, and that's a great realization, Sandy. I, I too had anxiety before I started taking benzos, but never really understood how much it had actually affected my life, much more than I had ever realized. 
I am so glad the podcast has helped and that you have found ways to grow throughout this experience. Sandy then followed up with this email a few days later. She said, Hi, Dee. Today is an awesome day after weeks of challenges. I know withdrawal is not linear, but I'm so very grateful for today. Thanks again for all you do, Sandy. Oh, I love the comments, but especially ones like these where people are finding the good in life, even if they're in the middle of benzo withdrawal. She said, today is an awesome day. <laughs> I love that. Gratitudes are essential during times like these. And you are so right. Benzo withdrawal is anything but linear. The windows and waves come and go, and rarely do they follow any recognizable pattern. But allowing ourselves to find pleasure in the now, in, in the little happiness we find along the way, it helps us get through. What a great message. Thanks, Sandy, for sharing your question and comments with us. I, I love your outlook and attitude. Take care. Our next item in the mailbag is from Tony in Belgium. Tony and I have been writing back and forth since October of last year. This is a story of success and a good one to hear. I'm sharing it here in the mailbag instead of the benzo stories because it's not really about benzos. Instead, it's about listening to your body, getting checked out when needed, and sometimes finding the right solution to living a better life. I'm going to read here a series of excerpts from a few of Tony's emails, and we'll talk a bit about it after. This is from an email from February 12th. Dear D, I'm in my sixth month after stopping Xanax. There are still some symptoms, but they slowly fade away. Meanwhile, I stopped taking Zopaclone three weeks ago. But to manage the withdrawal symptoms, I switched to 0.5 milligrams diazepam. Luckily, I could convince my doctor to give me the diazepam. The doctor now puts me on a quarter milligram for another month, then I must stop. Only then will I be benzo-free. A huge discovery was made. I went for a night in a sleeping clinic, where the sleep is examined all night long. The doctor discovered a severe apnea problem. I stop breathing every two minutes. And when I do, the body gets out of sleep to take that breath again. So I have no deep sleep. Phase three sleep. The phase that restores your well-being. So I wake up every morning with the feelings of someone who has drunk a lot the night before, but I don't touch alcohol. My brain has not enough oxygen. The oxygen level in my blood is very low. So I suffocate slowly in my sleep, exhausting all organs and muscles. I will have to sleep with a CPAP engine for the rest of my life, but I would finally get the sleep I need, and so gain my forces back by day. The doctor is quite sure, but I will have to get used to sleep with such an engine and a mask on my face. Wishing you all the best. On February 26th, he followed up with this. After my second night of sleeping with the CPAP device, I slept for eight hours and probably deeply. I awakened again without muscle pain and exhaustion as it was before. I'm still tired, but doctors have told me it can take some months to refine the old forces. 
I'm astonished on the internet to find so many reports about untreatable depressive persons. Up to 40% just seem to be suffering apnea without knowing it. I always thought apnea was just provoking snoring, but now I know more. Taking antidepressants and benzos worsens our sleep. In the sleep clinic, the doctor told me about a patient they recently had, 10 years blocked in psychiatry. Only now they discovered sleep apnea was the cause. I don't know if you ever heard about the relationship between apnea and depression. Apnea provokes exhaustion. Exhaustion provokes depression. Apnea should be treated and not neglected. Up to 10% of the population may suffer from apnea, but most don't know. On the following day, Tony followed up with this. The third night of sleep was CPAP. The third good night. Awakening without muscle pain, without headache, without fatigue. Consequently, hope again to recover and much less depression. Oh dear, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I only now realize the enormous consequences of non-treated apnea. Over two months later, on May 2nd, Tony followed up with the following email. Dear D, I have my CPAP for two months now, and I sleep 8 to sometimes 11 hours per night deeply. I tried one night without. I awoke so often I took it back in the middle of the night. The results of sleeping well two months is tremendous. I haven't slept like this since I was 18 years old. And as I eat strictly healthy, with around 50 herbs per day, teas, eating them pure, etc., I really feel again like I am 18 years old. I'm 58 now. I can clean my whole house in two hours and don't feel the slightest fatigue. Until January, I was already exhausted to clean one room. It's clearly the oxygen helping me. I bought an oxygen meter to put on my finger for about 30 bucks, and I see the level of oxygen risen to 94 now. In January, I sometimes had 85 or less. The 30 years of Zopoclone were for nothing. The past two years of antidepressants and at the end Xanax, all for nothing. I thank God I'm well again, and I have three to five times more energy to work. I publish again and with success. I stopped the Xanax in August of 2019, but I still seem to have withdrawal issues from time to time, but weakening week by week. Wish you all the best and thank you for your tremendous work for the ill. Tony from Belgium. Thank you, Tony. Great information and so key to share. A great reminder in many ways. Now, first off, not all sleep problems are due to sleep apnea. This was true in Tony's case, but in others, there may be other causes. And yes, benzo withdrawal is definitely one of those possible causes. But it's a great reminder to get things checked out regardless of the situation. Just because we are going through withdrawal doesn't mean we are immune to other medical issues, not in the least. So it is always a good idea to get checked out medically 
if you have questions like Tony did. According to the Mayo Clinic, there are three types of sleep apnea. Obstructive sleep apnea, the most common form, which is caused by the relaxation of the muscles in the neck. Central sleep apnea, which happens when you aren't sending the right signals from the brain to control breathing. And complex sleep apnea syndrome, which is a combination of the first two. Symptoms of sleep apnea can include loud snoring, episodes when you stop breathing while sleeping, often noticed by others, gasping for air, dry mouth in the morning, morning headache, insomnia, excessive sleepiness, irritability, and difficulty paying attention during the day. Now, many of you are thinking the same thing I am. Many of these are similar to benzo withdrawal symptoms. Insomnia, gasping for air, I had both those. Sleepiness, irritability, cognitive difficulties, headache, these sounding familiar to you. <laughs> so withdrawal very well may be the cause of these symptoms and might be the more likely cause. But I also like to err on the side of caution. And like I said in an earlier question on today's podcast, it's a good idea to get checked out. Go see your doctor and get it checked out if you're concerned. Tony found a new lease on life by getting diagnosed. Perhaps this may be the case for a few others out there. Who knows? Thanks, Tony, for sharing this information with us. Take care of yourself and keep us updated. And that wraps up our feature. I hope you enjoyed our mailbag as our feature as much as I do. It's definitely one of my favorites. You know, because it's all about you, your input, your feedback, your stories. That's the real soul of this podcast. Thanks. And before we get to our moment of peace, please allow me about 30 seconds for our disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal or professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. It's just one minute, and it's an opportunity to quiet your mind a bit before you return to the chaos of the real world. Please remember that you should only do this if you are in a safe place where you can close your eyes, relax, and let the world pass by without you for a minute. Today we are going to return to our old favorite, the standard breathing meditation. We return to this one every few episodes because it's the most basic and one of the most effective. Our breath is the source of life. And recognizing its regenerating rhythm and energy can be very relaxing. So often, the simple things in life, the, the things we take most for granted, are also the most beneficial and even life-affirming. 
all we do for this meditation is focus on our breath. If our mind wanders, no problem. Just notice it and bring your attention back to your breath. Let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly along with all the stress of the day. One more time. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly, relaxing your entire body. Now just breathe slowly and naturally and focus on your breathing. If your mind wanders, just gently bring it back to your breath. No judgment at all. Continue to do this for one minute. Next episode is episode 67 and it will be released June 15th. Thank you again for joining me today and please let us know how we did. Keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.